All right. All right. Let's see what we got here. Hope we got a better connection than I did the last time. I had to get, I was pretty pissed off. So I had to call StreamYard and uh, make some complaints. Uh, downgrade my service. They gave me a little bit free. So we are live. But what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to rock and uh, play some music here so I get set up real quick. So uh, you just guys just stick around for a second. I'll be right back. I've been on a roll. I've been doing shows. Now we ain't snake. Remember sleeping on the floor. Still in that gas station when the times go. In the kitchen, I'm trying to flip it out the stove. Rockin' Bay J's, bring that nobody in all. Watch them take my dog away. It was way too hard to take a pose. Fight to see the light of day. I didn't blood on my clothes. Outside every day, green light, it's time to go. I don't wanna live life fast or die too young. Die too young. Cutting my squad might crash cause a good die young. Yeah, a good die young. I don't wanna live life fast or die too young. Uh, anti-warrior. 
What point do you think uh, Libert and Jeff need to come to meet Alex Jones and get sued for their misinformation? All right, we're going to get the party started here. So, uh, I got to work on my buttons here because they're all messed up because it's a new system, but I'll get it all fixed up. Either way, um, so I want to do a 2 o'clock show, basically. I might start doing these more because it's kind of a midday thing. Not a lot going on. Um, just, before, you know, everybody kind of gets caught up in what they're doing, and then, you know, they have nothing to do, and here I come. So, I think that 2 o'clock show might work for me on certain days. I'm kind of feeling it out. So lots of crazy stuff going on, uh, obviously, that we all know in, in regards to Trump and, and the raid and everything else. So basically, um, then you listen to some of these people, right, and, and some of these shows. Um, and uh, Libert, please sign in if you're here. Go ahead and, you know, we won't boot you. Uh, Jeff, you're also welcome. And you just, it's nothing but absolute ridiculousness. You know, absolute, it's like, I, you, Stock market's going to crash. We're in everything, and the, we're going to roll in and the star and the free stuff and all this and all that. And and it's like, what the hell are you even talking about? You know what I'm saying? It's like seriously, and it gets to the point that it's like, God, what's wrong with you? Is is there an IQ point between the two of you? Just a single point between the two of you? Actually, three of you. I'll give you three of you. Is there an IQ point? I think not. So, and now that I got that out of my system. All right, so I kind of want to talk about a couple things and some of the stuff that, you know, I, of course, I, I dig into and I look at and in regards to this, this aspect stuff. Because I ask the same questions as everybody else. What the heck's going on? Why are they doing this? You know, what, what's the plan? Um, so let me get on this. Let me do this real quick, get on this. Um, so I'm going to play a little bit of this. Let me blow that up. I just want to play this for a little bit, and 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 then we're going to kind of answer some, uh, his, hopefully, his questions. Make sure here. There's nothing there. Nothing for Hunter. Nothing for Joe Biden in, you know, uh, in China. Nothing. No, there's nothing there. BlackRock, the collusion with the banks, everything that they're doing now, right now, you don't think that a Justice Department that is hell-bent on cleaning and settling scores could settle scores pretty damn quickly? I hope we don't get there because this has to be about reasoned justice. But look at what they've just caused. What is their end game? Mm, what is it? What does he think? What is the end game? You make him into a martyr by throwing me in jail or mm. killing him? You make him a martyr. So you make him stronger. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't, doesn't. Why would you want that? Well, we just want him out of the. You think Ron DeSantis? isn't going to be the immediate front runner and that Ron DeSantis would be easier to beat in your book. Are you that stupid? You wait, you take out Donald Trump and then the heir apparent Ron DeSantis runs. And for some reason you think that all the Trump supporters wouldn't go. Yep. 
Hmm. What is your end game? Yeah, and I and I think the same thing. And I, I a lot of people in the chat are probably saying the same thing at this point. I'm not going to lie; uh, it, it could hurt me or not. But I, I, I'm looking forward to a Ron DeSantis, possibly. Right um, at this point, it, it, it's almost like this is that's the guy. I you know I hope he runs right. And a lot of people are going to piss people off. Oh, what about Trump's with this? You know what? And I say this over and over again. Trump was good at kicking the door in. Right? You got that guy in the front that's got the ram. And he kicks that door in, he smashes that door in, and then the other, everybody falls in line and goes in and storms the house, per se, right? But you don't kick the door in twice, right? Yeah, if, if it's open, it's open. And at that point, you know, the law enforcement goes in, then eventually the prosecutors go in, right? And, well, we've, we've already kicked that door in, and, and I'll give them credit for that. The door's been kicked in. We've all kind of see what's going on. We kind of kind of see the problems, and there's a lot of them, and and things like that. But what is the end game, right? What's the end? I mean, because we're at a point now where you know you've got Trump supporters calling for you know some type of uh, civil situation, right? Uh, you've got obviously the raid here that happened and things like that, but. The issue is, is that there's not going to be a civil situation. That's not going to happen in this country. I'm going to let everybody know right now, if anybody that's watching, that's not going to happen. There, there's no way they're going to allow a nuclear country that is the world currency to go into a civil situation. There would be more boots on the ground for more countries than you know of before they let that happen in a country with nuclear weapons. It's just, it's not going to happen. The importance, the the damage that would be done with that type of conflict here in this country would ruin a lot of other countries because of our dollar. Right? That's just just welcome to reality. Welcome to reality. So when you have all these other channels saying, I'm going to grab my, you're not going to grab anything. You're not. Because that's that's just not, would not happen. If it did, well, pfft, everybody's going to be going down. We we are a world currency with nuclear weapons. That's a big deal. So what I want to kind of play with you, I want to go over a little bit of history. I wanted to go over this, and I found this video, um, and this is actually I downloaded it, but this is actually from History Scoop, um, and you guys can, and it's the the breakup of the Soviet Union explained, and I want you to to to. Go with me on a journey. Travel with me on the journey of the internet. Down the rabbit hole to the point of no return. That's pretty much where I end up every day. uh, Because I'm, you know, constantly pushing out people with, you know, I I truly understand capitalism now. I truly 100% understand it. Unfortunately, I wish capitalism also worked in regards to um, IQ levels on the internet. But it doesn't. But let's go on. Journey with me. All right, let me play this here. The collapse of the Soviet Union marked the end of Soviet-style communism and the beginning of a new world order. It marked the end of the Cold War and created over a dozen new democracies in Europe and Asia. And yet today, this event is taught very little in schools. I asked friends from... So, I don't know how many people here, but if I were to ask you how did... I could probably ask some people uh, about USSR 
Um, but how did it actually break up? We, we know very little about that, right? Very little is explained about that. Uh, but I think it's something we should learn. Russia, Slovakia, and Romania. But none of them learned anything about it, despite being born in former Soviet-aligned countries. Not even my parents, who saw it unfold on TV, could give anything more than the bare minimum. Well, mom, today that's going to change. The collapse of the Soviet Union was a large and complicated affair involving dozens of different countries, regions, and peoples. Therefore, in this longer than usual video, I will cover the entire dissolution of the Soviet Union. I will cover the events and trends leading up to it. I will cover the revolutions in the Warsaw Pact countries. And I will analyze the actual dissolution of the Soviet Union. To explain why the Soviet Union collapsed, we first need to talk about what the Soviet Union was. In its simplest form, the Soviet Union represented a dream. A dream of a communist utopia, where every person works towards the greater good. A dream in which people would live at an unprecedented level of prosperity. A dream of peace and freedom. But, it never even came close to that dream. When measured against these lofty ideals the Soviet Union set for itself, it was an utter failure. It was an incredibly inefficient system smothered by a vast bureaucracy. A nation which butchered 10 million of its own citizens in its name and created one of the most repressive and ruthless police states the world had ever seen. Now, another thing too is, is I'm, I brought on uh, Xi Van Fleet and we talked about communism and stuff like that, how, how uh, um, Mao did it and stuff like that. And I'm going to be bringing on somebody else uh, from Africa that um, I'm going to interview him in regards to somebody that their president actually trained to be a politician in China under Mao for communism and things like that. So it's I've explained how bad and in communism and, and these control state uh, states are. But let's let's continue on. It started in 1917 in the Russian Empire. Tsar Nicholas II was overthrown in the Russian Revolution by a group known as the Bolsheviks. The Bolsheviks were far-left revolutionaries. They were willing to try out a new ideology, an ideology called Marxism. This ideology was based on removing the class system. By controlling the wealth of a nation collectively, where society as a whole controls the means of production. Thus removing the lower, middle and the upper classes in society. And this new Marxist country was officially founded in 1922. But rather than turning towards the communist dream, it instead turned towards dictatorship. Under the rule of... And that's how most of these happen, right? All right, it's real simple. I, it, it's funny, too, because people are like, you know, we want freedom, we want this, we want that, and, and you know, but we want everything free. And when everything is free... It changes people, all right? I Trust me, uh, I come from lots of aunts and uncle, uncles who got a lot of stuff free from the government. And it's, it's, it's just, a, it turns people completely different. Vladimir Lenin and Joseph Stalin, the Soviet Union was slowly turned into a ruthless police state 
where anyone even suspected of disloyalty could be sent to forced labor camps. Oh, you know what I'm As well as random people, regardless of their loyalty. The leaders who would reign over the Soviet Union during its collapse were also the ones who grew up in Stalin's Soviet Oh yeah, same team, Phil. I've got a metal water bottle. Same team. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Union and experienced the cruelty of the regime firsthand. In the 1940s, the Soviet Union found itself at war with Germany. Uh, last time I showed this map, a lot of people from Finland got angry that I included their country among the Axis powers. So to avoid any controversy this time, I'll just remove Finland. During this war, the Soviet Union conquered much of Eastern Europe. Some parts it annexed for itself. Other parts became satellite countries. These satellite countries were indirectly controlled through the Warsaw Pact. This pact was an agreement between the countries of East Germany, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, and for a short time Albania. The Warsaw Pact was a complicated agreement between the countries, but in simple terms, the agreement guaranteed military support from the other nations in case of war, economic integration of the member states, and used the threat of invasion to make sure that all its member countries remained communist and loyal to the Soviet Union. After the Second World War, the Soviet Union and the United States of America became embroiled in a Cold War. So, right now, this is the start of this. They're in, embroiled in a Cold War. Basically, Cold War was, hey, we need to build a whole bunch of military weapons and do this and do that because we could possibly go, you know, be going to war with each other. Um, it, it was a, basically a preparation for war without it actually becoming one uh, was basically the Cold War. Basically. Which, hence, we, you know, we're looking at things now. Divided the world between the capitalist United States and it now that is the size of Russia. It's monstrous, right? United States over there. It. I'm sorry, the USSR was a monstrous part, huge, in regards to what in that that property that it was. Its allies versus the communist Soviet Union and its allies. This division was personified in the Iron Curtain a series of border walls and fences dividing Europe in two. When Stalin died in 1953, the new Soviet leaders decided to lift many of the most repressive policies. There were several reasons for this. The first was the moral argument. Now, we're pure communism here, so they're like, well, Stalin died. So they're like, hey, uh, maybe we should make some changes since that guy that was kind of doing that communist stuff, he just, you know, he's dead now. Um, let, let's make some changes. Most people thought that a system of forced labor camps, constant fear, and the abuse of power was morally wrong. Huh. The second argument was pragmatic. A system based on corruption, oppression, and loyalty was a lot less efficient. Yeah. And so the Soviet Union released prisoners, removed many systems of oppression, and even renamed many places bearing the name of Stalin or Lenin. Under this process, people's lives became a little bit better. Their living standards improved, they were allowed to say and do more, and the economy became more efficient. But 
too many. It- Has that happened anytime recently? Did we have anything where allegedly um, things like that were, you know, kick the door in, drain the swamp, freedom and more freedoms and less regulation and let's that freight roll in 2018 type thing? Didn't go far enough. The USSR, which is short for the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, which was the official name of the Soviet Union, the USSR was doing relatively well in terms of economic growth in the 1950s and 60s. But by the 70s and 80s, it was lagging behind. Its economy grew slowly, the leadership became averse to change, and some of the freedoms given were reversed. This meant that while the lives of people in capitalist societies were improving, such as Japan, West Germany and the United States, the lives of the people in the Soviet Union and its allies remained at a similar level as the 1960s. And in this moment of stagnation, in 1985, a new leader was elected to lead the Soviet Union. His name is Mikhail Gorbachev. He was from a new generation of Soviet leaders being the first and last Soviet leader to be born in the Soviet Union. And by the time he took office, it was clear that the Soviet Union had become stagnant for far too long. Something needed to change or else the entire system would slowly collapse. The first thing was its economy. The USSR's economy was a so-called command economy. In this system, many economic activities were planned centrally by the government, and the government prioritized the creation of machinery and large projects, while giving consumer goods, innovativeness, and quality a much lower priority. Alright, so, in regards to what we make here, a lot of the stuff that we used to make, you know, uh, is now been outsourced. Originally it was outsourced to, like, Taiwan. I remember when I was growing up, everything was made in Taiwan, Um, and now everything's kind of made in China. Or now we're moving from China and they're looking for places in Vietnam and all these other stuff. So in regards to our economy and what we make, we were an industrial economy with steel and manufacturing Um, after World War II. That was our big drive. You know, we had to rebuild England, everything that was bombed and stuff like that. So steel and manufacturing and stuff like that was our booming times that we rocked and rolled and then cars and things like that. But now we're at a point where... We don't make a lot of stuff here. We, we put things together, but we truly don't manufacture a lot here. So our economy, we're basically like, uh-oh, we need to figure out a new way for our economy to boom. And technology seems to be where it's booming. Now we're way behind compared to China and stuff like that. Not on the intellectual property side of it but of the actual manufacturing side of it. So now you're starting to see that boom and, hey, we need to bring stuff back here. We need to make chips here. We need to make this here. Come build things here and and so on and so on. At the same time, the Soviet Union was also incredibly inefficient. What would happen is that the government would set itself a goal and then throw as many resources as was needed at the issue until they had the desired result. This meant that if a system was inefficient, it would receive more resources from the government to get the desired results. So basically, the less efficient a system, the more resources would be spent on it. Okay, now, let's kind of take a grasp. Do we do that here? (laughs) Oh, well, why don't we ask Elon Musk? So the way we do things here in in our infinite wisdom as it is right now is 
that exact process. So we have things like, let's say, Elon Musk and Tesla and this trucking company and this electric vehicle and this and this and this. So there have been times that, hey, you're failing. We'll give you more money so that you can succeed. We'll give you more money. That's not a good system that promotes bad things, right? It promotes you to be bad. You have to let people fail. I say this in trucking all the time. At some point, if your trucking company is failing and it goes under and you lose it, that's the way the system should work because it makes smarter people and better people that are, if you're better at what you do, rise to the top. It makes you work harder, be smarter to, to survive and do something better than the other guy. And that makes better products, better goods, better services. Feeding something that's at the bottom and just like, not a problem, cha-ching, 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 here's your money, doesn't make those better services. It, it, let's check customer, customer service nowadays is horrible. It's horrible customer service, I'm noticing when I'm going out. I am literally thinking to myself, where has customer service gone? What? what? It's bad. And this is the systems that we, we do now as a government. On top of this inefficiency, the government also spent a lot of money on weapons to compete with the United States for the prestige of being a superpower. And sent money to various Soviet client states to prop up their economies with the aim of showing the world how great communism was as an ideology. We're doing the same thing. We send money everywhere saying this, this is the greatest system. And this latter part, I'm not saying it's not, but just understand what happens here, cannot be ignored. The Soviet leadership took policy not out of a pragmatic point of view of what worked and what didn't, but instead created policy based on ideology, regardless of whether it worked or not. And this blatant disregard for reality caused the Soviet Union to implement policies which simply didn't work. As a result, the level of healthcare was notoriously bad, housing was shoddy, and people's diets were far less varied. Huh. All the while, espousing how much better the Soviet citizens were doing compared to the rest of the world. The last leader of the Soviet Union explained the Soviet economy quite well. There is plenty of everything. Land, oil and gas, other natural resources, and God gave us lots of intelligence and talent. Yet we live much worse than developed countries, and kept falling behind them more and more. The reasons could already be seen. The society was suffocating in the vice of the command bureaucratic system, doomed to serve ideology and bear the terrible burden of the arms race. This is in stock. Alright, so like I said, when... When you, perfect example, stim, stim money, this money, that money, this money, you know, money because we're in a recession and all this. What happens is when you build something that doesn't have that foundation, you're just throwing things at it, right? You're holding it up with money, but you're not holding it up with um, ingenuity, intellectual property, uh, motivation, drive, all that stuff. It's not being held up, actually, or being allowing to being built. You're just holding it. Like, for me, when I, when I lost everything, it drove me to say, okay, this is not going to happen again. How do I get more intelligent? How do I do this thing? And here I am still today working from four o'clock in the morning, sometimes till 10 o'clock at night. 
learning what I needed to learn as much as I possibly could to be better than the other guy. That, because I did not get any free money. So when we throw all this money at people, we say, y'all, we can't form a, uh, foreclose on your house. You can't do this. And don't worry about that you know, student loan. It becomes worth nothing. And so what happened in the Soviet Union, you basically had, it looked like it was great, and they were holding it up with these piles of money. But as that money burnt down, there was nothing, no ingenuity or, or motivation to lift it back up. Opposition to capitalism. Under a capitalist economy, there are many different independent production lines, leaderships, and policies. Each business, each organization, each entrepreneur has to constantly compete with all the other ones in order to survive. If a company falls too far behind their competitor, then they will eventually go bankrupt and thus remove the least efficient actor from the economy, as long as a healthy capitalist economy is maintained. Gorbachev realized the state the Soviet Union was in and felt it was in drastic need of reform. He wanted the Soviet Union to finally realize that old communist dream. The dream of working towards the greater good. The dream of prosperity. The dream of freedom and peace. He felt that after Stalin, the Soviet Union should have given far more rights to the people and created a healthy communist system. Now, did we have anybody that came back and said, we're giving the country back to the people, the freedoms, build, do this, make America... Gorbachev wanted to end the secret police spying on people, oh. feeling it was both immoral and a waste of resources. Do we have that? He wanted to give freedom of speech and freedom of the press, believing that criticizing the government would help the government to improve. Truth social. And he wanted to end the tight grip on power at the top. Instead, letting local leaders solve local issues, which they can do more effectively than a central government in Moscow. As Gorbachev's foreign minister said it best in 1984, everything is rotten. It has to be changed. Does that sound like anything we've heard before? Everything is rotten and it has to be changed. In any other version? But the new leadership did not believe that the communist system as a whole was a bad system. They thought that the system the Soviet Union used was a bastardization of communism, a bloated bureaucracy unable to serve the people it governed, and therefore wanted a communist government not based on fear and suppression, but a communist government based on serving the people. I am not ashamed to say that I am a communist, and adhere to the communist idea. But change isn't easy, and there are always those who oppose it. So the first thing Gorbachev did to make change happen was to remove many government department heads from their position and replace them with people more open to change. Mm -hmm. Many of those open to change were of the new generation, like Gorbachev, well-educated. Now, I want you to understand, uh, when you watch this, don't get turned off if you're, if you're pro-Trump and all that other stuff. Just open your mind to the, to the system and how it worked. Take the people out of that, but just understand the system that's in play okay when you watch this and were just as frustrated with the lack of reforms from the previous soviet leaderships as he was some of those names you might even recognize such as boris yeltsin who would become the first president of the russia we know today 
One of the first things the new Soviet leadership did was to improve diplomatic relations with the rest of the world. This strategy had three goals in mind. First was to attract foreign investors. The Soviet Union had mostly been relying on its own resources. But as the Soviet economy lagged behind developed countries, they saw opening up as a great way to get foreign resources into the country to grow the economy. Secondly, comes in, handles trade, makes this trade deal, starts working with this, and, and uses leverage from the United States. So when he came in, it, it doesn't matter we were completely energy efficient, that we, we had all this. It was the fact that if, if they weren't going to give us oil, if they didn't want to sell us oil, we were going to start pumping oil. We'll start pumping as much as we can, and we'll start to be the, the leader in, in oil and things like that. And that's when Saudi Arabia is like, ah, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and handle that then because we don't want you to start to be in charge. The USSR could openly trade with the rest of the world. It could export its own products and resources to the outside world, which would improve the Soviet economy. And lastly, the Soviet Union wanted to improve diplomatic relations with their longtime rivals the United States of America and its allies in order to end the Cold War. This way, the Soviet Union could stop the expensive arms race and spend more resources on building up the country instead of building up arsenals. While the USA announced to increase military spending to fight the evil empire that was the Soviet Union, the USSR announced it would stop participating in the arms race and was going to withdraw its troops from foreign wars such as Afghanistan, and that it would reduce its military presence in its Eastern European client states. The second major policy was to reform the Soviet economy. This reform was called perestroika. This is a Russian word which means restructuring. What is often overlooked is that this restructuring wasn't a single policy. Rather, it was an overarching term for various complex economic policies undertaken from 1985 to 1991. Huh, restructuring. They seem to like the R words, right? But all these economic policies had one goal in mind. To increase the economic growth of the Soviet Union so its economy would become on par with that of Western economies. At first, it only included minor changes, such as trying to bring foreign investments to the USSR. But by 1987, a policy was implemented to overhaul the entire Soviet economy. The plan was to transform the Union from a command economy to a mixed economy. What this meant was that rather than controlling all aspects of the economy from Moscow, some parts of the economy could be planned by local officials and by local businesses themselves. These changes included letting people own a portion of the businesses privately, instead of fully owned by the state. Businesses could set their own production targets based on demand. While they would still need to produce a minimum amount set by the government, they were allowed to produce more and sell those products for a profit. These businesses were allowed to determine their own prices instead of mandated prices by the government. Businesses became self-financing, meaning that they had to pay their own wages, supplies, etc. The government was no longer going to prop up failing businesses, and businesses would be owned by the workers instead of the government. Okay, now we've heard this, we call it stakeholder uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, you've probably heard that term of stakeholder where the employees are on the business. So the thought process is this. At one point, 
the government said, you're my company, you make this much, we pay you. And then they, what he's basically going in there and saying, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do more of a back off where you pay us, you pay us our, you know, mafia wages, you give us our down payment. And then after that, whatever, after you're done paying us our percentage, whatever's on top of that, you can go ahead and put out there and, and sell for yourself. And then that way, you guys can all make the profits from that industry on top of that. So it, it's sort of a Chinese style thing, but it was definitely not a full, I own this, this, you know, this thing. And we see that now, you know, normally you own stock in a company, right? Well, then they change that to stakeholders. Now you're stakeholders and they want to put somebody from the government on the board of the, of these companies. So you're, you, this is the kind of the plan for, for what they want to do. We're, we're seeing that now. Giving employees of a business a stake in the operation of said business. And lastly, the government was no longer going to regulate detailed production plans for businesses. Instead, it would only set general guidelines and investment policies, and businesses were free to figure out the best way to run their production. But this was a mixed economy, not a fully capitalist economy. In the case of this new Soviet model, this meant that the so-called means of production, such as machinery, was still owned by the government. But the transition didn't go as smoothly as was hoped. This is because the Soviet economy relied on the central government too much and it would take time to transition to the mixed economy. During this transition the economy would perform a lot worse. But this transition wasn't expected to last too long and that people would notice the improved economic conditions in just a few years. Alright, so a lot of the stuff that we're also doing now is they said, okay, um, the government comes in just like the chips bill. Like we, you want foreign investment because you want companies like uh, Taiwan's company, TSMC, I'm probably getting the letters backwards, and companies like that to come here and make these products here. So you offer them, hey, come here, you can do this, you can do that, make your products here. Um, the chips bill that just went in, Intel was basically like, hey, man, you're holding us up. We, unless you want to give us some money with that chips bill, um, you know, we're, we're on standby. This, that's, oh, that's kind of this type of situation. But that didn't happen. And there are many reasons why. The first is that the Soviet government didn't know how deeply mismanaged their economy actually was. <laughs> like ours. In fact, the State Planning Commission didn't even have a model of how the economy functioned. It turned out that by no longer subsidizing so many failing businesses, even fewer products were available to people as those businesses now needed to rethink how they were going to keep functioning. This led to shortages, so the government had to ration resources, huh. which meant that there were long queues at stores that are often popularized in relation to communist economies. The second reason was that the government now earned less in tax revenue as the economy was slumping, huh. while increasing spending on things such as pensions. This caused the government to have a huge budget deficit, spending 12% more than they earned in taxes, resulting in a government that was nearing bankruptcy. None of All right, so first problem that happened, boom, I don't know how to keep this co company going if you're not going to go ahead and give me free money. Uh, oh, darn. And then that business, these businesses went down, which meant less people were making goods and, and stuff to put on the shelves, which became that. So not a lot... Take, ripping that out, those that money out from underneath them, they basically said, "Damn, I don't know what I'm doing." 
The second thing, well, now we have less taxes. We have less taxes coming in. Well, maybe they should have hired 87,000, you know, IRS people to go out and, you know, fine tune everything. Oh, wait, did we do that? I think we just did that, didn't we? This. You know, there's more people in the IRS than there is in the United States Coast Guard. The United States Coast Guard that protects the coast and goes out on Navy vessels and goes out on patrols on their own ships uh, to, with them and does law enforcement. All Anyways, let's move on. It's been an issue if the USSR transitioned its economy fast enough. That way, it could have created a far more efficient economy that would have produced enough products and become highly competitive. That economy would then allow the government to earn more in taxes and thus allow the Soviet Union to spend more money on improving living standards. But this didn't happen. It didn't happen. In his farewell address, Gorbachev explained that the old system collapsed before the new one had time to begin working. And aside from a shift in foreign policy and a shift in the economy, the Soviet Union also implemented a third large set of policies aimed at giving people more freedoms. Huh. This was called glasnost. This is a Russian word that means transparency. These policies included lifting the travel restrictions, meaning people could now travel to the West, allowed the publishing of previously banned books and movies, removing the tight grip of the omnipresent secret police, publishing secret documents about the Soviet Union concerning sensitive topics, such as the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, and lifting restrictions on freedom of speech and freedom of the press. These new policies caused a flood of new ideas, ideologies, and political movements to form across the Soviet Union. The Union was experiencing an... Now we have a lot of those already, right? Now, even though they're being restricted by, you know, certain things in regards to... Um, private industries they didn't have that but where it opened up here was the fact when there was these restrictions other companies jumped out and said hey i'm gonna be rumble i'm gonna be for freedom of speech i'm gonna be and then uh locals and every all these other ones that basically jumped out and said yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do one also and you can come here and you can criticize the government here you can do whatever you want here we are truly freedom of speech of course, unless it's, you know, unlawful. Uh, but that's kind of what, you know, this they, they implemented here. And this was some of the stuff that they, you know, basically said, OK, now you can go ahead and write what you want in the paper and do what you want um, in regards to your speech. Intellectual Renaissance. Aside from personal freedoms, Glasnost also included political reform. The new Soviet leadership wanted a democratic Soviet Union. They did not believe that a communist country cannot also be a democratic country. In fact, many believed that the two were complementary, because if you need to answer to the will of the people every few years, then leaders would be held accountable for their actions to the same people they were ostensibly there to govern. Makes sense. And it is important to remember that the people of the Soviet Union and its communist allies were neither blind nor stupid. They were aware that they were being lied to. They saw that the propaganda they were shown conflicted with the reality of what they saw with their own eyes. But what they did not know was just... Now, what they did not know is how just how bad it was, he's going to say. Do we... Now, think about what's going on now. Just, you know, one of the things is my view, right? My view, and I take the drone up, and you want to look down on things. Look down on what we're seeing now. Take the 
take the, the process of what's happening here is what I want you to look at. We are at a point right now where we are all the door was kicked in and we can all say that we don't. We, it's impossible to believe anything. I remember doing a poll that said, hey, if they said that there was an attack, would you believe them? And I think there was 85% that said, nope, wouldn't believe the news. So we are seeing people say we are in a recession and we're seeing government officials come out and say, well, we ain't in a recession. What? Yes, we are. It's, this is exactly what one is. And no, it's not. Yeah, what? So it's this confusion on basically them saying, look, it, it, this gender, this is going on. This is going. It's a man. It's a woman. It's a man. It's a woman. You know, ah, you got people freaking out. Don't even know how to tell which is which nowadays. Uh, thank God, Russia, they DNA test you before they put you in prison. Anyways, this is the confusion and, and unrealistic stuff. Because when we all look at this, we're like, well, how could they possibly say this? Why would they say that? How could you know, that's not true. This and this and this and this. What if it's a plan? How much they were being lied to until now. Because as Glasnost flourished, people became more and more aware of the conditions in their country, while at the same time being allowed to criticize the government more and more. It was hoped that Glasnost would spark a renewal in communist thinking. But instead, the combination of worsening living standards and greater freedom to criticize meant that people weren't thinking about improving communism, they were thinking about leaving communism. And as so often happens now, I want to explain this. So as you're, you see this, these lies and this confusion and this ridiculous statements from the people that are supposed to be leading you, and you're given a freedom of speech platform, you're given these echo chambers. And these, what these echo chambers do is they lock everybody in to turn that side of their brain on that only receives information. And the people like Libert and all these other ones that are out there projecting that and saying that causes people when you see that it's a lie and when you see that you now have a place that people are grouping you get that mob mentality that that echo chamber programming you basically start to change the way you think so we're at a point right now that if you were to ask people and i did a poll that rather than keep what we have now they want to completely destroy it just like they wanted to communism the system that we have in place now, it's nothing but corruption and this and crap and evil people leading this and this and it's garbage. And we need to just completely destroy it and start over how whatever that might be. Think about that. Think about the mental state of the people right now compared to, I mean, I'm 46, 46. I'm 46 years old compared to the people 20 years ago. And, and it's at a point now where I, I listened to um, Ryan Macbeth and he said something. And I'm going to talk about this tomorrow on my logistics show, too. He said something. Has everyone ever pissed you off that so much that you went back to college? I mean, it, 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 well, that statement was a monstrous statement to me. Everyone should hear that statement because what it basically says is, has anybody ever pissed you off or did something that rather than just say, you know, you make too much money or you shouldn't be able to do this or you shouldn't be able it drove him to become better, to go get something, to become smarter. And it drove him to come back and find or try to find the person that and basically said, ha, now what, bitch? He didn't say that. I, I'm emphasizing, but I'm probably sure he would have said something like that. 
Even if, Ryan, if you're here, uh, it's alright. ...with the fall of empires, the trouble started at its fringes. Up until this point, everything had seemed relatively calm in the Soviet Union and its allies. People were gaining more freedoms, the government was actively trying to improve the prosperity of its citizens, and it appeared that a Cold War might actually end. Yeah. There was a general feeling of hopefulness at this time. But then revolutions started popping up. The first was in Poland, in 1988, when people began protesting for workers' rights, such as legalizing trade unions. These trade unions then managed to bargain with the government to get freer elections in Poland. And as non-communist parties were now allowed to compete in elections, the trade unionists formed their own party, competed, and won the election on August 19th, 1989. Give so one of the things that popped up was basically small protests, revolutions they called them, small protests in different parts of uh, USSR that basically caused slow movements towards a different way, right? Unions. Do we have that now? Absolutely. We've got unions doing things. Uh, AB5 was a big one. That's causing frustration in people. These small movements is, is what basically started this. In Poland, it's first non-communist government since World War II. The most important thing that the Soviet Union did during this Polish revolution, however, was nothing. This wasn't the first time a Soviet satellite state underwent a revolution. In 1953, the Soviets put down protests in East Germany. In 1956, Hungary's revolution was crushed by Soviet forces. And in 1968, the Soviet Union, along with four other Warsaw Pact countries, invaded Czechoslovakia because they were becoming too liberal, such as giving freedom of speech. But now, now the Soviet Union didn't send in their troops. And this got people thinking. They did nothing. They did nothing. So now you take, now you take a country, right? That if you would have done this before, they would have rolled in the military on you. It probably rolled you over with the military. They would have went in like stormtroopers. But now they did nothing. They did nothing. Nothing at all. Seattle took over an entire section and they did nothing. They burnt down buildings and they did nothing. They rioted and they did nothing. They watched their cars get destroyed, police officers, and they did nothing. They did nothing. Remember that. The next country to steer away from communism was Hungary. This country had always been one of the most liberal communist states. The Hungarians even had a saying for it. Hungary is the happiest barrack in the Eastern Bloc, which I'm told sounds even better in Hungarian. Mass demonstrations on March 15th of 1989 persuaded the Hungarian government to start negotiating with the new political parties that were forming in their country. These negotiations included an overhaul of the legal code, establishment of a constitutional court, and allowing free elections. Ironically, many of the people who are eroding Hungary's democracy at the moment were part of those negotiations. General elections were held on March 24, 1990, with Soviet forces ending their occupation a year later on June 19th. Just as with Poland, the Soviet Union did not take any overt action to stop Hungary. While in this process towards a freer society, the Hungarian government removed their border fence with Austria, 
opening the communist Hungarian border with the capitalist Austrian border, thus creating an opening in the Iron Curtain. For the first time in decades, people could now move relatively freely between the communist East and the capitalist West. Again, this all happened and the Soviet Union did nothing. Not that they had to go storming in like stormtroopers, but they did nothing. Nothing at all. You want to go ahead and steal $1,000 worth of goods out of that store? We're not going to do anything at all. Nothing. So they didn't try to change their ways. They didn't try to adapt to it. They didn't try to see what was coming. They didn't do anything, good or bad. Many people who lived in East Germany at the time took this opportunity and decided to cross the border to Austria and continue on to West Germany where they were treated as full citizens. East Germany, which had the official name of the German Democratic Republic, or simply GDR, found these recent events in Hungary very troubling. In the 1950s, three and a half million people fled to West Germany. In response, the GDR built the Berlin Wall around West Berlin, which was controlled by West Germany. But with this opening, many people tried to use it to flee to the West. And so the GDR closed its borders with fellow communist countries, leading to nationwide protests. Unlike in Hungary and Poland, these protesters were arrested and beaten by their own government. Huh. As more people were being abused, more people showed up to protest. The GDR was counting on Soviet troops coming to support their government. But they never came. And so, eventually, to appease the protesters, the borders were opened again and the GDR decided to let people travel to West Berlin directly. Alright, so, this time... The, these guys came in local, let's say local PD, came in and beat them. They were hoping the national, in, in, in terms of us, they were hoping the National Guard or somebody else was going to come in and help. Because once they did that, more and more people came. Once that happened, more people came. Did we see anything like that? Do we see anything like that happening? Do, think about the stuff that you're hearing right now. Now the right wants to say, well, we should do something. They didn't do anything when the left did it. That's the mentality. That's the mentality that was put into the people right now that are in the echo chambers. Nothing happened to this side. So when it's our turn, let's go. In a few months, but at the press conference where they wanted to tell people about this new policy, the press secretary mistakenly told reporters that the border would be open immediately. The words were spoken, the people had listened, and the crowds gathered at the border checkpoints. As you can imagine, the border guards were more than a little confused when thousands of people showed up asking to pass through their checkpoints. Huh. With no instructions from their superiors, the guards relented and opened the gates to West Berlin. So many people wanted to travel back and forth that citizens took up chisel and hammer to open the wall themselves. And so, it was the Germans themselves who tore down that wall. With the fall of the wall, the process of German reunification was about to start when both governments decided that Germany will be united. Free elections were held in January 1990 
with German reunification occurring on the 3rd of October of that same year. If you want more information about German reunification process, you can watch my video on that topic by clicking on it at the end of this video. Now remember, you've got, you've got unions, you've got high inflation because you're at the Cold War, so the inflation is way up there. You've got uh, money issues, food issues, and things like that, and these people are basically saying, hey, uh, nothing's happening. We should, you know, we should start making changes, start protesting, start doing stuff. Let's rock on. Next came Czechoslovakia with the Velvet Revolution. Czechoslovakia was the country which became the Czech Republic and Slovakia we know today. It started as a student protest on November 17, 1989. This was suppressed by riot police. But as usual, when the police beats down protesters, more protesters arrive. After one day, the protesters swelled to 200,000. After two days, they were half a million. Half a million. After a week, on November the 24th, the communist leadership resigned. And on November 28th, the government announced that free elections were to be held and the barbed wire would be removed from its borders. In just 11 days, the communist regime had effectively fallen. In June 1990, it held democratic elections. And in June... Mike, you were there? Uh, Mike is a, a friend of mine. I, I, make sure you text me. Uh, but he's been there. 1991, the Soviet troops withdrew from their country. Bulgaria was late to the revolutionary parties that erupted around them. Demonstrations started in October and November, but were suppressed by the government. But the Bulgarian leadership had seen in which direction the tide of history was flowing. Rather than waiting for people to stage massive protests like everywhere else, the Bulgarian Politburo decided to oust their leader just a day after the Berlin Wall fell. He was replaced with a more liberal communist and repealed restrictions on free speech and assembly. But rather than preventing more protests, it led to the first mass demonstration on November 17, 1989 and the formation of various anti-communist movements. These movements demanded even more freedoms such as allowing multiple parties into the government. Negotiations were held in 1990 with elections in June that same year. The ruling communist party abandoned Marxist-Leninism, renamed itself the Bulgarian Socialist Party and won the next election. And lastly came Romania. And unlike the other socialist states, the leader of Romania, a man named Nicolae Ceausescu, did not want to give up power. He appeared to want to wait until the anti-communist uprisings were over and he could continue ruling Romania. But yeah. in Romania too, communism wouldn't hold out. As with many protests, it started over something relatively small. A Hungarian Calvinist minister was arrested by the Romanian secret police on December 16, 1989, because his sermons offended the regime. This caused riots and nationwide civil unrest. Ceausescu was in Iran at the time, and when he returned, he ordered a mass rally in his support on December the 21st. Here he addressed a crowd of 100,000 people, where he espoused the achievements of the socialist revolution. The arrest heard around the world. Sound familiar? One arrest, one guy goes in there. Next thing you know, there's an arrest, and, and hundreds of thousands of people. So Shut up, Phil. But only two minutes into his speech, people started chanting the name of the city in which this Hungarian minister was arrested. 
Ceausescu raised his right hand to silence the crowd. A tactic which had worked during his entire regime, but not this time. The people kept chanting, This, this right here, his stunned expression, this is the face of someone realizing that a revolution was unfolding against him, right in front of his eyes. So he basically said, look, I got this, you're right, thank God, yeah, power to all of us, alright, stop, stop chanting, and they didn't. They didn't. They didn't stop. Sound familiar? Having a, having a, some type of assembly, and after the assembly, they go elsewhere, and they start a revolution in this area. The crowd booed and jeered at the man who only a week earlier controlled the country in an iron grip. Hundreds of protesters were shot. The next day the media reported that the defense minister had committed suicide. While this was actually correct, the military believed he had been executed and the army switched sides. Ceausescu was captured, put on a mock trial and was sentenced to death on Christmas Day, December 25th, 1989. Only nine days after the first riots. Huh. It was the bloodiest of the revolutions, with over a thousand people dead. The youngest among them was only one month old. At the start of 1989, the Eastern European countries were all considered stable socialist countries. By the beginning of 1990, all... They were all stable socialist countries. They were all stable states. Also, Pact nations had experienced a political revolution. Except the Soviet Union. It had thus far remained relatively stable. But 1990 was the year where this would change. It started with the Soviet Union allowing mostly free elections where people could vote for multiple parties, rather than only the communist parties. This allowed the various republics, which comprised the Soviet Union, to elect non-communist parties to their parliaments, resulting in a wide range of new parties being registered all over the Soviet Union. This was supposed to revitalize Soviet politics, believing that competition would result in a more efficient political system that would better represent the will of the people. What happened instead was that most people who were unhappy with the communist government voted en masse for independence movements. This was most prominent in Lithuania. A new political movement won most of the seats in their parliament as part of the communist party. And thus, they practically took over the party in Lithuania and Lithuania's governance. The day after the elections, the new Lithuanian assembly declared itself independent from the USSR. As a result, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics lost the Lithuanian Republic. But rather than sending in the Soviet army like so many countries would have done, the USSR decided to implement an economic embargo on Lithuania. The Soviet troops already present in Lithuania didn't intervene, but they didn't leave either. In those same elections, many other parts of the USSR also voted out the communist leadership. Alright, so, what we got going on now is that all these revolutions and all these uprisings and all these, in, in you know, let's say, states, uh, basically started to have their own thing, right? There's all a revolution going against the, the USSR. So what they just did is they basically said, hey, we're, we're out, man. We're out. We, we're declaring independence from you. We're gone. We're outie. And uh, rather than go in saying, no, you're not, 
they just said, well, we're, we're just going to not deliver any goods to you, not do this, do not do that. And they're like, all right. And uh, here we go. Such as Armenia, Estonia, Georgia, Latvia, and Moldova. Georgia declared independence on the 9th of April, 1991. But the other four weren't declaring independence just yet. But by now people saw clearly that the Soviet Union really wasn't interfering. Not only did they let satellite countries erupt in protests, even within the regions of the Soviet Union, there weren't a lot of crackdowns. Neither Lithuania nor the other five non-communist governments faced any military reprisal from the USSR. And as more and more people noticed that rebellions passed without a major backlash, more and more people started a rebellion of their own. One region after the other erupted in rebellion. Such as Azerbaijan, where the people destroyed fences and watchtowers along the border with Iran and overthrew the government in one town. Although here the Soviet army did violently crack down on protesters, which alienated the local communists and led them to unsuccessfully declare their own independence. Ukraine erupted in peaceful protests in the beginning of 1990. While the government did oblige the local population, such as decriminalizing certain religious practices. In their elections, people voted for new democratic parties. Tensions slowly rose with the Soviet leadership, as Ukraine recalled all of its soldiers fighting in Soviet conflicts, declared its economic sovereignty, and declared its goal of independence, among many other things. While not officially independent, they were clearly on track to do so. In Tajikistan, protests turned violent as people torched government buildings, shops, and businesses amidst a call for economic and political reform. Huh. Does that happen here at all? Any type of destruction of like that? Is that anything going on? In Kyrgyzstan, ethnic... I see you, Shara. I'll get to that. ...national groups clashed with each other over the division of land from former collective farms, which were now being privatized. 300 people died. With the fringes of the Soviet Union becoming less unified, the USSR desperately tried to keep the country together. To speed up the economic growth of the Union, they launched the 500 Days program, which sought to reinvigorate the Soviet Union to show the people and governments of the Union that the USSR was worth keeping around. Uh -huh. This plan was meant to create the groundwork for transitioning the economy to become more competitive. They would create a competitive market similar to capitalism, with mass privatization of businesses. And so they said, oh, whoa, 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 hang on, uh, don't leave, don't go, uh, please don't go. It's almost like, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend leaving you, don't go, don't go. And they said, oh, I'll change, I'll change. It's me, I'll change, not a problem. And what we'll do is we'll do this new deal and we'll pump a bunch of money into the government and we'll be more competitive against other countries. Uh, slash Green New Deal, China will build back, you know, different industries and we'll bring money back in and they'll be, they'll, come back to the money. Show me, we have money here. Stay, don't go. Stop controlling the prices of products, join the global economy, and to transfer even more power away from decentralized governments and towards the local republics. As part of this, a second initiative was to wholly transform the Soviet Union away from centralization and oppression and towards a federation 
where every region was given equal rights and equal say in the affairs of the Union, and where every person, regardless of ethnicity or creed, were given equal rights. It was hoped that the people would no longer protest for independence, as a federation would allow each part to govern mostly independently, and to make sure that the people felt that they had a say in the matter, the Soviet Union decided to ask its people if this was what they wanted. They held a nationwide referendum on March 17, 1991. The referendum asked people, do you consider it necessary to preserve the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic as a renewed federation of equal sovereign republics? which will fully guarantee the rights and freedoms of all nationalities. While the referendum was boycotted in some regions, almost 150 million people showed up to vote. Over 75% of people voted in favor of turning the Soviet Union into a federation. This wasn't the only referendum taking place that day, with various regions adding questions on whether they should become independent. Russia, for example, added the question about whether they wanted to have a president representing the Russian part of the Soviet Union. The Russian people agreed, and in June 1991, Boris Yeltsin became the first president of Russia. By now, the Soviet Union was facing separatism across the nation and was ready to hand over power to the various regions of the USSR. And this was going to go into effect on August 20th, with the signing of the New Union Treaty, which would turn the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics into the Union of Sovereign States. This would hopefully keep the Union together, but there were many in the government who didn't like this idea at all. From the Defense Minister, to the Vice President, to the head of the Soviet Secret Police. And so they tried to take over the government in a coup to bring back the unity of the USSR. Their goals were to remove Gorbachev from power. All right, this gets good. So they said we had people that they said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and do the sovereign thing. We're gonna we'll take down the USSR. You guys can stay as states, uh, and we're just the you know United Sovereign States, not of America, but of of, of our own place, basically. We'll, we'll do it. Not a problem." So they had a bunch of people in the military, they had coup, and, and you know, the military's in charge, right, Jeff B? Um, and basically said, no, 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 you won't. We're going to go ahead and do a coup, and here we come. Return centralized power back to Moscow and to use military force to keep the Soviet Union together. Gorbachev was... Hey, you think the military's in charge? Do you? Do you think the military's in charge there, Jeffrey? On holiday. So the rebellious army put him under holiday house arrest. They announced the end of free press and sent the army to take over government buildings. The coup organizers expected massive popular support from the people, expecting to be hailed as saviors of the USSR. And people did come out in droves, but rather than supporting the coup, they tried to stop it. When tanks drove towards the Russian parliament building, people far braver than I surrounded the tanks, creating a human barricade until the tanks could no longer move without crushing the very people whose support they needed. President Boris Yeltsin raced to the parliament building where he met with the pro-reform protesters, climbed atop the tank and held a speech condemning the revolution. By August 21st, only two days later, 
the revolution had clearly failed. But so had the attempt at turning the USSR into a federation. With the coup, many people across the USSR felt that Moscow wasn't able to govern them anymore and were no longer interested in preserving the Soviet Union in any form. From this moment forward, one region after the other would declare their independence from the Soviet Union. This was the last proverbial drop in the bucket that made the House of Cards crumble. The first was Estonia, who declared their independence on the second day of the coup on August the 20th. Then came Latvia a day later. Then Ukraine on the 24th. Belarus declared independence on the 25th. Moldova the 27th. Kyrgyzstan the 31st. Uzbekistan on September the 1st. Tajikistan on the 9th, Armenia on the 21st, Azerbaijan on October the 18th, Turkmenistan on October the 27th, Russia on December the 12th, Ouch. and Kazakhstan on December the 16th. These countries, along with several regions which today are incorporated into other countries, declared their independence until there was almost nothing left of the Soviet Union. Wow. And so, with every part of the Soviet Union declaring their independence, it was decided that the USSR was going to be dissolved. The Soviet Union was officially declared dead on December the 26th, 1991, at the age of 69. There were no grand ceremonies, no parades. Gorbachev had a short speech expressing sorrow over the fall of the Union, frustrations of past mistakes, and hope for a better and freer people. After that speech, General Secretary Gorbachev resigned from his post. He possessed a quality lacking in most world leaders. He knew when to quit. Oh. Later opinion polls showed that the Soviet people felt it was time for him to move on. Not because they thought he had failed, but because he had served his purpose. Under his leadership, the yoke of totalitarian dictatorship had been lifted even if in many of those countries that yoke would return just a few years later. And so ended the Soviet Union. If you like this video and want to help me reach more people... Alright, so that that's the video and, and, and I wanted to kind of show and I want to basically understand that remember, the, the USSR was a monstrous, powerful country with nuclear weapons and a military and soldiers, and everything else. And it was broken apart without any of that war and, and weapons being done by revolutions and by people storming things and, make, and, and doing that, right? Now, here's the thing. Um, when you break apart countries, and this is just an example. This is just not real. This is just an example. But when countries break apart, you conquer, you divide and conquer. You divide and conquer. And I did the poll on my uh, community page, and um, I don't even know what the poll is. Somebody might want to check the poll. Let me check the poll real quick. But I asked, would you rather be divided or would you rather be, you know, stay together and divided into five or six something, you know, categories? And I wanted to see what the people basically said. And let me go to my poll here. And it looks like we are at 61% third and 39 with 491 votes. Uh, so 60% want to break it up. Okay. 
And I want you to understand a couple things. So let me pull this up here. I'll pull that up in a second. Uh, you can kind of see the big, you know, United States is a big country, Canada, Mexico, um, Russia, China, Australia. But you can see when countries are broken up, they're easily conquered. Okay. Because what can happen is if you're, let's say we were broken up uh, and California is basically now its own country. Now, California can now work closer with China and China can come in and give a lot more either money or influence or control over that portion. Uh, let's say Seattle, the same thing. Um, or let's say other uh, states now, they need support. They need money. They need trade. They need the ability to be able to uh, survive and, and with their people and everything. So other countries are going to jump on that to do that. If you wanted to start something new, if you wanted to start the great start over, one of the things I feel you would have to do is break up the United States. I don't want that, but I feel that if you wanted to start over and you wanted to get this done, you need to break up the United States like you broke up the USSR. Because from that point, you can now deal with these small states as, as an individual level and conquer and divide by doing things. And I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now is the fact that for this to truly work, for it to go into true, true, in my opinion, you need to break up this, this United States, Canada, sorry, but you're just kind of, well, you're Canada um, and Greenland. You're, you're not as important, but for you to do this, you have to take down that superpower. You have to break that up because once that gets broken up, every other country would be like, Whoa, what? What happened? So now you can do it without a civil war. You can do it without destroying it. You're just breaking it up. You're breaking that up at this point where, okay, you know, you can go ahead and, and still use this currency. But as a state, eventually, you, you, you might do your own currency. You might do your own thing, right? You might have your own, but still going to use that U.S. currency. So you're not destroying the reserve dollar. But if you're going to break it up, you need a hell of a lot more IRS people to go into different and decide to do that, right? Because at that point, you're still using the dollar and things like that. So you would rush to make sure that would happen. But the, in my opinion, for you to, for us to continue on, for the craziness that they're letting happen, for the things that are, that are going on, you, I truly see the fact that they don't, they want to take it down in a soft, poof, it's gone type breakup. Because like I said, we, one, we are a nuclear power. We are something in the reserve dollar. So it's not something that you can basically go and say, hey, let's just let them go at it. I mean, now there are countries that technically want that to happen. I'm going to say, not going to say China and Russia don't want us to go fisticuffs with each other so they can come in and clean up what's ever left. But you still need to break up the United States if you're going to do it. You have to. You have to. Right? Just like you broke up the Soviet Union. And this is what I see. I see a lot of people that a lot of the stuff that happened there is basically happened here. Now, they did nothing. We did nothing. They, they convinced people. They got people by doing nothing and allowing that to happen. It basically said, well, if they did it, I can do it. And we still do it now. Well, if Trump got arrested, why didn't she get arrested? 
If they went and smashed up windows, why can't I smash up windows? If this and that, if this and that, and that mentality, this for that, is basically what allowed all these other countries to say, well, pfft, Russia did nothing when they ran the ran up to the governor's office and took over. Let's do it. And and this is what you kind of have. You have that mentality. Now, are they fighting for the problem is, is once you break it up, we have so much divide that somebody's going to come in and say, well, this is how it's going to be from now on, because we want this and we want this. But it's that divide. And if you divide and conquer, good luck. Good luck trying to stop. Where do you go? How do you stop it? You can't like Russia. They couldn't just run in and start taking over because then other men have been like, well, if they don't get it done, other countries might rise up and, and fight. Also, it was that. It was a losing cause at that point. And it was done, like I said, it, it, it's done with propaganda, with media, with news, with echo chambers, with people like Libert and Jeffrey, 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 putting out lies, straight out lies. And, and, and that's the type of stuff that they are legitimately a part of the destruction. They, you are. Sorry, Libert. You are. You can keep doing what you're doing, but you are. You are in the echo chambers. They are in the social. They are in the rumbles. They are in this, and it's echo chambers. Echo chambers that are basically programming people to, to, to divide. All right, real quick, and I know I'm a horrible reader, but I'm going to do my best on this one. I really will. I'll slow down if I have to. This was written, uh, let's see, Andrew Bussey, and it was uh, University of Michigan College of Law. So he kind of just wrote this, um, as I, I think, as his, to get his uh, degree type thing. So it was wrote in 2013, and I want you to hear this. A house divided against itself cannot stand, and that was Abraham Lincoln. Uh, it is often, often quoted a uh, singular, and let me get to the part that basically you guys, hang on, 1860s. All right. Okay, now just listen to this. Though the U.S may not be as close to brother-against-brother brother entanglement as it was during 1858, neither may it be as far, that, that during the Civil War, he meant, as far from one as many would think. After the most recent president election, which witnessed a, divide, a divided nation vote to give Barack Obama a more time, uh, the unified collection of states is quite clearly on shaky ground. It is deeply divided country in which followed the 2012 election results. Uh, residents in each of the 50 states filed petitions to succeed from the union and more than 675,000 digital signatures appeared on 69 separate succession petitions covering all 50 states. In less than seven days following the election, Seven of the state's petitions, including Florida and Texas, received more than 25,000 signatures requiring Ill illicit and official response from the White House. The basic sentiments within those petitions was that the federal government is abusing its power and violating its citizens' rights. Combined with the briefs uh, with certain benefits of state leaders, such as those of Wyoming, I'm not going to do the name, uh, claiming that the federal government is also infringing upon the sovereignty and, su and succession. Uh, that the pot is boiling is one thing. Whether the pot has potentially boiled over, it is quite, uh, is quite another. 
Unlike recent scholars' articles on the topic, this note is neither limited to solely analyze the constitutional arguments surrounding succession nor armed through the entanglement, the untangled, the, oh, whatever, web of practical, I, I thought, oh, you know what I mean. I know, I'm horrible at reading out loud. I, I, I don't know why I can't do it. It's frustrating to me, too. Instead of focusing on several of the most compelling arguments surrounding secession, it arrived at this concept. This was in 2013 that they started to say, look, it's, it's pretty bad with this Barack Obama guy. Um, and a lot of people right now, you know, might want to do this. And that was 2013 that they were at this point. And then you move on and then you have Trump come in. And I, I just think, and I've said this before, I just think that, you know, here, um, this entire topic of secession is granted a bit far-fetched as to the moment of 2013 in the U.S., or is it? Uh, if it is, will it be as soon as 2020 in 2030? Based on the growing partisan division marked by individuals entrenched and surrounding themselves in like-minded Americans, echo chambers. And the recent swell of state legislation defying federal regulations, the answer is no. As both prominent and periodical and the most recent presidential election results make it clear, the U.S. is deeply divided, both politically and geographically. And then it goes in. After the election of 2012, the electoral maps everywhere revealed the same landscape. Republican areas appeared to be growing darker red, while Democratic regions seemed to be growing darker blue. The Wall Street Journal referred to this information gathered from the election as leading indicators of polarization. Uh, in addition to the hundreds and thousands of civilian uh, citizens who signed succession petitions immediately following the election, statistically from the first Tuesday of November were equally uh, jarring. Only 50 Republican elect elected to the House came from districts that Barack Obama carried, and only nine elected House Democrats came from districts carried by Republican Mitt Romney. These representatives not only won, but in landslides. With 125 elected House members garnering 70% uh, more of the district vote. So 2013, you basically had a division, right? And this came in and you had a division leaning left, right? So we, we kind of look at Barack Obama and we would all say that he's left leaning. Would you agree? He definitely went left. Well, Hillary being elected, she would have been left also. Right, So if I was going to set things off, if it was me planning this, okay, I would say, all right, we got this guy that's going left. He's got two terms, um, and he speaks, good speaker, good seller, able to sell this stuff, smooth, and, and things like that. We got an option here. We go Hillary, or we go Trump. I'm going Trump, because if I want to set things off, I want the wild card. I want the wild card. I want the guy that's the polar opposite of the other guy so I can really polarize this country. That's what I'd do. If I wanted to break it up, oh yeah. I, definitely. Boom. He rocks and rolls. Does what he does real well. Next thing you know, he's out. 
And there's chaos with that. And he's never going to say he's out. And unlike Boris, who basically said, yeah, I give up, it ain't happening. So the more he kicks and fights and, and spews and, and jumps on it, the more that echo chamber feels that anger and frustration and feels that force and feels that dr drive to basically say, all right, time to go. And you hear this with, with idiots, idiots like Kathy H. Complete idiots. Negative IQ points. I, I literally, literally people like Jeff B and them, they have negative IQ points. I literally feel like in the room with them, in the, the videos with them, I lose intelligence. That's how bad it is. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw him in. And kicking and screaming. Then what? Then we're waiting for the arrest heard around the world. The one that's going to crash the market. The one that's going to take it all on. The one that's going to set it off. We're finally going to have the white, the tank painted pure white and Trump riding on top of it, screaming, let's go. You're fired. Uh, just a whole row of freshly painted white tanks. Yeah. That's, that's, I might have made that up, but let's see where that goes. Let me know if that ends up in some of the telegram groups that the, all the tanks are going to be painted white when he comes. Let's see if we can get that one running. This is what we're talking about. Bookings. Uh, let me do this. How serious should we take talks of U.S. state succession? 2021, December 13th, 2021. December 13th, not that long ago, of 2021. Uh, think tank. May 23rd, 2022. Breaking up, uh, breaking up America into series of a series of nation states based on political identically theorist and book. This book right here. I bought it. I got it on audio, so I'm going to listen to it. I want to see what he says. Because he basically says, hey, I mean, here's a synopsis. More perfect union, what it takes, uh, takes a what-if approach of breaking up the country into new nations and developing a roadmap for constitutional amendments that could make it a reality with the least possible disruptions. The amendment is, and, and basically he starts out, what I've listened to is he starts out and says, look, we bust it up. Everybody takes the same constitution that we had. You go with that. And then from that, you add what you want. But the basic one is still followed in your separate little country. And then you go on from there. Right? May 2022. Then all I got. Let me make sure. Yeah, that was them of the Coast Guard. That's the state. And let's see what we got going on here. Under scrutiny, was there a rat? Judge linked to Jeffrey Epstein. Disqualified holding office ever again. If he does this, he'll be disqualified from holding office ever again. Um, it's about Jan Six. Fair game. Republicans vow revenge on FBI. 
Supporters call for the Civil War. Predicts Trump not being around long. I'm not going to say that word. Starts with an A. The raid of the century. Welcome to the media. Welcome to the media pushing the echo chamber. Because nobody can look from top down. They just look out that windshield. They just look out those glasses. Everybody asks me why I wear sunglasses. Because it pisses people off. And maybe you guys should take a different view. Maybe you guys should change your view. And you should start wearing sunglasses. Because it triggers some people. And if it turns you off and you go away, that's fine. But some people might actually watch this episode, might watch this show. And I might not have a thousand in here at this time. But I'd rather have the people I have looking down and seeing the big, t big picture than looking through those glasses and being led into the picture. I don't know. You guys tell me. Like I said, I'm just a guy on a microphone looking top down from what I know and, and stuff that I've learned. And I just see a lot of references, a lot of the same thing going on. I see a lot of the same people involved in this. Putin was a part of this stuff. Mike Flynn was a part of something that I sent. Let me see if I can find it. Hang on. Not that. Where did you put it? Yori, where did you put it? Hang on. Uh, is it this one? Might be this one. All right. Let me pull this one up. And we'll put it here. All right. So what is this? Uh, this is the quad, quad, the Q defense review. Right? Quad, quad net, you know, four months. Right? That's what this is. So what this is, is this is basically um, what the military does for planning against certain things. If we look up, uh, actually, we'll just do this real quick. Quadrennial. Oh, Lord. I have one of those days. Yes, I'm not a robot. And we go here. So what the Q is, the Q was a study by the United States Defense and Analyzation Strategic Objective and Potential Military Threats. Uh, the Q Defense Review report was a main public document described in the United States military doctrine. Um, in 2018, the QDR was a rep replaced the national security strategy. And that's what basically replaced who was president back then, 2018. Uh, this was something that Michael Flynn was a part of. So Michael Flynn was a part of these drills, uh, these Q defense drills. And basically, a lot of the stuff that was in here was what would we do if Russia did this and what would we do with that? Um, and I, I'll drop the link. You guys can read this. There we go. Um, and I see I have another link here. Is this the other link I have? Uh, let me see what this one is. Do, do, do. I feel like Will. I'm gonna, oh, 
uh, this was basically the 113 Congress hearing where they talk about this. Um, and this is where they talk about the Q defense uh, review and the drills that they did. And one of the people that was a speaker here was Mike Flynn. So he was a part of these drills and he was somebody that brought information in front of Congress and things like that in regards to that. And even I even dropped a link in, in you know, the telegram, which probably somebody can snag it because um, I don't know what I did with it when I did all this. That basically Donald Trump wanted to bring this back and have this type of stuff. And I'm going to do a whole video on that. So I'm just kind of touching it a little bit, but I'm going to go in and do a whole video on this one because I'm doing some research on this one um, in regards to that. But I just found it kind of weird that the Qualdor, Nan oh God, you know what I'm talking about, is basically a part of military intelligence and, and things like that. So just saying, just kind of sounds kind of weird to me that 2018, they bring it back and big Q right there. I don't know. I don't speak Gematria, so maybe somebody can run the numbers and, and tell me what this in, is in, in numbers and see if we got all 17s there or 45s. Um, actually, yeah, do that. Somebody do that and see if this turns into any time of the 45s. But that being said, I, I just see a ton of this type of stuff, and it's at a point that people need to start looking at why they're doing it. Because it makes no sense, right? It makes no sense that you have all this going on. You have Hunter Biden, who cannot turn his cell phone off. Um, you have, and, and I, it, I beg you, I beg you, whoever this, I don't care if it's AT&T, I don't care if who it is. I I beg you, turn it off. Turn it off. Uh, anyways, for the love of God, Biden, you can't keep our own secrets. You can't even turn your kid's cell phone off. All right. You got all this going on. You have them saying, that, oh, no, it's not a recession. Yes, it is a recession. We have inflation. We have this stuff. And it's it wait until other shortages come up and heating bills start coming in and fuel diesel fuel starts going back up again and all this stuff starts to hit in a couple more months when it starts to get colder and that type of stuff starts happening and you now you're sending your kids to school and your kids have to you know eat at school and things like that and the school budgets aren't covering the inflation for that type of stuff wait until all that starts to hit and watch and see if we don't have what i just showed you if we don't have basically people hitting that, because that's what we're being sold by the idiots, by the Jeffweys, Jeffwee, 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 by them, by the Phillips, Philly Phil, these guys, these idiots that are a part of this, they're a part of the mind bending echo chambers that, hey, they didn't do anything. This isn't the first time. I mean, oh, it's a movie. Yeah, it's a movie because it's already happened before. And we're seeing it happen again. That's, that's, that's what it is, you idiots. I'm not talking now to you guys. I'm talking to the people like Libert and, and, and the guys that just keep pushing this stuff. Somebody get them. Make sure somebody puts this out to them. If there's anybody from Liberty Warrior in here, make sure you let him know. You send him this video. You said Sage requires, requests you to watch this and make sure. Let's see. 
if he does. Throw it out there in his chat tonight that I demand that he watches this. Because I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Alex Jones should be a message to an awful lot of you guys. One slip up, and you become the next Alex Jones. That's the type of situation you guys are going to be in. Because that's going to be the motivation for them, for other people to go at it. What do you think would happen if, the, if, if Phil got ripped down by the government? Do you think his people would rise up? Go nuts? You tell me. You break up the country. You break up the states. You divide and conquer them. Allowing other countries to come in and be an influence into them and support them. And they're in. California's already... Pff, tell me China's not already doing it to California. We got people now that says, just cut that baby off. Cut a line. You got it. You're on your own. Seattle, California, you're your own country. We're already saying it now. And we already know they're doing stuff like China does. You know that there's so much... There's so much China in, in, in California, in the movies, in the industries, in the business, in the building. We know that. That's exactly what would happen over there. And then, they, then the encroachment comes. The divide and conquer. Big picture, in my opinion, of all of this, of what's going to happen. And I'm answering Glenn Beck's question, why would they do it? Let's let's let's. The only one that makes sense to me is stop him at any cost. Mm -hmm. And lunatics will take to the streets. There you go. And then we'll have our evidence that they are more dangerous than anyone could possibly imagine. Absolutely. Please pray for your country. I'd lo I'd love. I don't. I don't expect to hear from any, but I, I would love to hear from a Democrat today. Yeah. Alan Dershowitz has the balls to come on. Wait till you hear what he has to say. Is there a single Democrat within the sound of my voice? Single one? That doesn't, that, that, that sees this? Where, where are the FBI agents? Where are the freaking FBI agents who don't see what's coming? Right. Stu looked up the things for 87,000 IRS agents coupled with what they already have. That's about 170. That's almost the size of our National Guard. Bigger than the you feel comfortable with that, Democrats? You don't think that there's a possibility that not this guy, because this guy is so perfect. He's made your life so so good. I mean, everything he's done is sunshine and lollipops. Do you really think that there's no possibility that someone, even Donald Trump, might come in at some point and weaponize the IRS? Is there anybody? Is there a single Democrat? Call me. I'd love to hear from you. 888-727-BECK. Is there one? Because, look, I voted for the guy. But this is too far. This is too much. Yeah. Anybody that says, oh, you would have done that to Hillary Clinton, I would have gone ape. Fascist. I see what you guys have been worried about. 888 Yeah. To the streets. To the streets. What happens when you go to the streets? Well, we, do we have any evidence, any proof, anything that could possibly show us a reference point to what could possibly happen in this situation? Yes, we do. USSR.
a complete breaking up of a monstrous, powerful country without very much bloodshed compared to what could have happened with nuclear weapons. I, I was on the phone earlier, and uh, I, I tried to say that, you know, they're, they're, I think they're looking to break us up. I think they're looking to cause this to break up so they can divide and conquer us and other states and countries can come in and start to work with this, those, you know, states that are now on their own. And he's like, ah, oh, it never happened with a nuclear country. I'm like, dude, do, 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 oh, my God, you don't know about the USSR, do you? Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, and he's not, he's not dumb, the guy I was talking to. It just, it was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. And then what happened? What happened with the nuclear weapons? The Minsk, Minsk, Minsk agreement. Ukraine says Ukraine ended up with most of them because that's where they were at. And they're like, ah, yeah, we'll give them up as long as you defend us. We'll give them up. So where are ours? I have no idea. I don't care. But is it a situation where, like, you give them up and China and we'll defend you? China says, we'll defend you. Because it ain't going to be, sorry, Canada, but it ain't going to be you. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I lost something on screen, Yuri, and I said, where'd you put it? So, it, it it's, th this is that top-down view. And as long as we stay in these echo chambers, as long as we all look and hate and say this has got to be destroyed and this has got to be ripped down and this has got to be run over and all these people have to be hung and all this has to be destroyed and we have to just completely destroy it and rip it down and start over. And that's what we have to go do. Be very careful what you ask for. I, you see people now. You see people now either leaving the country, the rich people, or going to countries like, or states like Texas. Rich people, the, you follow the people with the money, and you can potentially see the future. It's pretty simple. It's just like that embezzlement thing, right? Nancy Pelosi, he embezzled all the stuff with the chips. They were talking about that chip bill forever. Anybody that could have been like, oh, they're really pushing this chip bill. Maybe I should buy into Intel. Maybe I should buy in because it really looks like they're pushing this hard. We all had insider information. Rich people just know what to do. Rich people know what to do with that information. They, knew what, they know what to do with that intel. Now, has she done other stuff? Of course she has. How do I know? Because she's got two refrigerators with full of expensive ice cream. There's no way, there's no way you're not evil if you have two refrigerators filled with ice cream. Because I've got two fridges, but I don't have any ice cream. This is basically where we're at. This is what we're looking at. And now, do I expect people like Phil and Jeff Lee and Jeff Lee. Maybe I can ask his mom, but either way, or Libert to change? No. No. There's no way. Because the people pushing this crap are making money doing it. Ain't gonna stop them. In the end, when it, 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 how long is this gonna take? I don't know. But I definitely see as this is what they want. Because for you to truly get what you want, it's got to be broken up. You have got to break us up. Because by breaking it up, technically, stops it from being truly taken over in their eyes. They're going to break it up, and that way the dollar could stay stable. 
uh, nukes don't go off, and the people feel they got what they want. You got what you want. You do it all the time. You do it all time. I'm telling you, I've talked about this on my logistics thing. You tell you post a load for two thousand dollars. You know you're going to move it for twenty two or twenty five or something like that. But you post it for two thousand. You let the driver come in, talk you up to the twenty five that you're going to move it for anyways. He feels better about moving it. He's happy because he thinks he got over on you. Technically, that's what I wanted to move it for anyways. Happy driver, happy good, rock and roll with it. Because you think you got over on it. You think you won. You think you got what you wanted. We're begging to break this country up. We are begging to separate it. We are begging to rip it down. We are begging to destroy it. Don't believe me? Watch Will. Go back and watch Will's show last night. Somebody go put Will's thing in the comment, please. Drop his link for Twitch. Watch that show for, that they're going to drop. Tell me again. Tell me again the negative IQ points that he's reading, the people on there that he's reading. And think about what you just watched from my show. Put two and two together. Somebody reach out. Find Kathy H. Find Jeff B. Find Libert. Find Phil. Send this shit to him. Send this video to him. Have him reach out to me. I know they won't. Any one of them want to debate me on this. Any one of them want to come on my show. Any one of them want to go on any show you want. I'm ready. I'm ready for the conversation. Are you? No. In his chat tomorrow, tonight at 8 o'clock, Liberty Warrior Nation 2, I want you to mention my name. I want you to tell him to watch this show. And then he can tell me how he's flipping the switch. How he's, don't go to small businesses. Don't go to big businesses. Just do my MLM. Just do my sales stuff. Just do my stuff. Put the small business out of business. We don't need them either. They're all a part of it. <laughs> if you can't see it, if they can't see it, it's because they don't want to see it. I got sunglasses for you if you need them. I will give me your address and I will start mailing out Sage sunglasses. Mine are real. Wills are fake. Just so you know, a little secret about Wills. His are fake. Mine are real. Mine are real. Ha. How you like me now? Just kidding. I will. That's what I want. And you'll get banned. So, just so you know. But I hope he's watching. He's welcome to jump in here. If he drops something in the, in the chat there, I'll drop him a link. Don't tell me. Don't tell me you're here to save the country. Don't tell me you're here. Don't tell me you're, you're a patriot. Don't tell me you're ready to do this and do that. Because you have no idea what you're talking about. All the lies, all the bull crap, all the stuff they're feeding you, all the stuff that's coming out is legitimately going to erupt into some type of people wanting to separate 
divide the country up and be done with it. Like I said, I'm going to read that book. I'm going to also read that, that, the, that Q defense thing. And I want to find as many connections as I can to Flynn. I know he was on it. I found a connection for that. Um, in regards to what that was, I'm going to go back and read one of those. And then I, I think what I'll do is um, I've already asked motion. She said she'd read some stuff for me so that I can just hit play and I don't have to read it. Sorry, guys. I, 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 I don't know what it is when I read out loud. It's part of my, I don't know, nervous tick or something. So either way. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope, uh, I want everybody coming here. That's my that was my video for today. My frustration after listening to all this and and, and watching what happened yesterday, and then I, watching Will's show and not upset with Will, but the people that were in there, and just the fact that and then you watch Libert and all these other people on YouTube, and then it's it's I you literally can see it when you start looking down when you when you use education when you use knowledge when you get smarter. You see it. But when you don't want to, when it doesn't sell, when it doesn't make the money, when it's hard, it's hard digging in all this shit. It's hard reading all this stuff. It's hard, you know, sitting here and watching this and, and things. I mean, I, I know people are like, oh, you're just sitting there. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm reading. I'm putting this together. I'm digging into this. I'm spending time away. I could be playing video games. But, I mean, maybe I should just do this. It sells. Right? What's the answer? The answer is we can't, we, we literally cannot look at, at a complete destruction of everything. There's going to be bad people. There's going to be criminals. There's going to be corruption. There's going to be thieves. There's going to be something. It's happened forever. It's always happened. You're not going to create a non-corrupt government in any way. Well, motion probably could, but we, we have a very small country. You're not going to do it with the amount of people. You're just not. But we do have to do what we can do. I mean, vote for the people that we feel can do it. And be a part that way. Find out how to get on your local boards and be a part of it if you can, if you have time. Pick people and say, hey, if you run, I can do back office stuff because I can't leave home or I can't do this. But there's going to be a time, and it's it's hard. I'm not lying. They have this is the plan, I believe. This is the plan, and they definitely have the upper hand. They've been doing it a lot longer. They they literally have control over this financially. Think about this. Think about the process. If you wanted to do this, if you wanted to break up a country, right? It is a perfect thing. You have, you have the Obama thing. Hillary thinks she's going to get in. There's chaos there when she doesn't. And then you stick in the wild card. I, that was such a perfect plan. If you just take, look down on that situation and do that. Because you have all her people freaking out, which causes divide. She flips out and angry because I bet you she knew nothing about this. Trump gets in. Trump does all his stuff. Everybody hates Trump. That causes nothing but more and more divide. So you had first you had Hillary all upset and those people fired up. Then you have all the Trump people. They're going. So you're firing up this side. 
And then all of a sudden he's out. And then this Trump side's all fired up because of, because of this and because of that. And we've got them all. We've got them all. As Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Jeffrey says, he can't get off that. And now people still think Trump. He's not. Trump's not. Not. He's not. He's not the president. So you have, unfortunately, Biden. Barely. We barely have Biden. Occasionally. And next thing you know, there's more. It's, it's just think about that. Think about that whole situation looking down on it. If you if you were in control and you wanted to break this up, tell me that's not a perfect plan. Tell me that wouldn't cause the most chaos it could possibly cause. Now, do it, are the do the players know? I don't know. I don't think they don't know some stuff. But do all the players know? Yeah, I think they do. I think they do, but I can't prove that. Yeah, and I don't think remember, yeah, I don't I don't I don't think it's Trump that's I think it's somewhere up above playing these cards. They they wanted Trump to do this. They wanted him to go out and break that door down, show people this, lead people that way, give them that opportunities and do that. Gorbachev did it. Why not Trump? But he only got, he didn't have enough time. Gorbachev didn't have enough time to make it work before it stopped, before it did. Trump didn't have enough time. He only had four. And technically, it's only about three because then that fourth one, you're kind of doing a lot of campaigning. He didn't have enough time. Boom! The other one rushes in. And everything's happening so quick. Everything's speeding up because it's based on time. So you've got to speed up that time. Just what exactly what happened to Gorbachev. He did not have enough time to implement it to let it get, get going and get moving. Down here. If it was me doing this, perfect. Brilliant. If I had control, it's exactly what I would do. But unless the people that are out there dividing and causing and, and, and firing these people up. Stop. This is, this is the, this, just be aware that this is the, this was what I believe the plan is to be. And we will know in a couple months, in a couple months, my opinion is if it goes democratically on the side of the um, November situation, you're going to see a massive wanting to separate by 2024. Huge pushes for that. Huge. Monstrous. If this comes out when Trump basically, they basically say, well, you did have classified information. Here it is. And because of this, you can't run anymore. You can't hold a public office. Massive. Massive. Remember when it led in, in there? It was like first it was hundred thousand, then it was five hundred thousand, then it was a million. Ramp it up. Ramp it up. Stoke that fire. Maybe I'm wrong. I, all I know is that some of the stuff that they're saying, some of the stuff that they're allowing to happen, some of the stuff that they're not allowing to happen. It is 100% ways to legitimately divide, separate, piss off, and infuriate people. And then you rip money out from them. 
You literally rip money out, and from there, once you take the money away, most divorces, most fights, most issues, most things happen when money's in there. When it's a money problem. Stress like there's, think about it. How much stress is there when there's no money? Lots. Another stress factor. Inflation's another stress factor. Government not causing it. Stress factor. Then you point blame. You put blame on the government. 100% of this. Now you got a target. Focus the people. People go see this leader. People rush in on that government because they want to replace this one with this one. And it's exactly what happened in the video I just played. Go back. Watch it. And then even once he was in, it was like, people still wanted more. Hey, we got this guy in. What else can we get? And that's what they did. I'm not even asking to troll him. I'm asking to tell him to watch this video and get his ass over here. In a debate. He thinks I'm wrong? Let's do it. All I know is Alex Jones just went down for pumping out crap. You don't think some of the stuff they're pumping out? Something happens. Just one person. Just something happens with one person. They're the next Alex Jones. Guaranteed. That's what it's going to be. All right, I'm going to go ahead and end this one here. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. Um, I'm going to play this other music. Sorry about the first music there. I hit the wrong button. Didn't know it was going. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and play my normal out music. So thanks for swinging in here. Uh, make sure you, if you guys can drop the link for my uh, Vinmo, because I didn't see that one going off. I'm thinking it's recording there, but it's also on Facebook. Um, I'm going to start putting my Facebook on there. And go. anybody wants, go to uh, sagenewslive.com. At the bottom of the page, it's got all my connect things for all my uh, platforms I'm on. I don't even know how many I'm on. I just kind of wing it sometimes. Uh, but you can go ahead and sign up there. If you're not subscribed here, please subscribe here and hit the link uh, because obviously I'm I'm shadow banned in some way. There's no way I can host a 400,000 person and not get any subscribers from it. So either way, hit the subscribe button, hook me up like a tow truck, share this out uh, on whatever platforms you can. And uh, like I said, Libert, sorry, calling you out. Jeffy, Jeffy, Jeffy. I like I like that. I might have to start doing that more. Uh, and Phil, he probably doesn't watch this, which is fine. He's another one. So good luck. That being said, stay safe. Stage out. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. I'm a savage. I'm a savage. Drop the classic. Drop the classic. Thinking back. Drop the classic. Drop the classic. Too established. Too established. That the magic. That the magic. It's automatic. Got a mask. Who was that? Living legend, lethal weapon, that's the mind, never tired, tell them all, tell them all. Big dreams, I got big dreams since like baby, I've been joining forces with the likes of an 18. Jumping off of buildings used to be so stimulating, now I'm reaching new heights, I'ma need the off-white. Play with the fire, you get burned. All of my struggles became lessons well learned. I got desires that keep me grounded, that's for sure. Cause one day we gon' make it out this earth. Where's your worth? I'm sick of your talking, you got the wrong one. I'm taking your king and I leave him broken. If I am in second, it's after no one. Just give me a second to let him know. I'm the headline, the deadline. I'm ahead time, the red time.
Sorry, Jeffrey, you got the wrong one, baby. The king is back like prodigal. I gave him time, it's been too long. Was silent, calm, but now the storm's right on. I'm not the one you can't ignore. I never pop a chick. If I want it, I'ma get mine. Never fake the fall, can't perform for your empire. Snatch them out the throne, make them all fall in line. I let the clock tick, count down, cause I'm. I'm sick of your talking, you got the wrong one. I'm taking your king and I leave him broken. If I am in second, it's after no one. Just give me a second to let him know. I'm the headline, the deadline. I'm the headline. Time, the rare kind. Big time. I'm a living legend, lethal weapon, master, my Big time. Out of the ashes of Phoenix.